Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Logan, starring the one and only Hugh Jackman, also stars Patrick Stewart, and it's the final outing for Wolverine. So heads up, spoilers, we've seen the film. If you don't want to know what happens, don't continue to listen. If you don't mind, let's jump straight in. Lloyd, how did you find Logan? Well, listeners of the X-Men Apocalypse podcast will know that we love the X-Men comic books and especially the animated series. Uh, which I, I watched a lot when I, whenever I could. And I wasn't a fan at all of the Wolverine movies. Like, I hated the first one, Origins, and I thought the second one, The Wolverine, was so by the numbers. When I saw this, the same director, James Mangold, was attached to Logan, I really had my doubts. All I was hoping for was a good send-off um, for Hugh Jackman because, like I said in our last podcast, I think Hugh Jackman is a perfect... Wolverine, maybe the only person who could match him as Wolverine, I think would be a prime Clint Eastwood, uh, which I'm sure the character's style was somewhat based on, uh, especially mm. the Dirty Harry movies and so forth. Uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is great. I just think his standalone movies just don't do service to Hugh Jackman's uh, the talent. I think I broke uh, brought up the comparison of Pierce Brosnan as James Bond other than Goldeneye his movies have just been really poor but Pierce Brosnan as um James Bond has been fine um but I was so blown away by Logan I think this is one of the best comic book movies I have ever seen it isn't perfect I did have an issue with one moment in the film which uh we'll we'll get to but I thought this was a really incredible film it's very brutal and violent, but it's matched by those heavy themes like of aging, loss, regret, redemption, and guilt. Um, the heroes have to survive this really cruel modern landscape as well as wrestle with these internal pains. And it's usually these themes are usually explored in westerns, but James Mangold like pours it all into Logan. It has been compared to a western, absolutely. The aging Logan and the you know almost senile at times. Professor Xavier, it's such a distance from like where we began in 2000 with you know the original X Men film. It it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It didn't feel like every other superhero movie, which I loved. There was this ongoing kind of cloud of well, this is the last one. Will they or will they not be killing off Logan? You know, Hugh Jackman has famously said Jerry Seinfeld was a part of why he decided to stop. And that, you know, he wanted to go out on his own terms before the audience was sick of seeing the character of Wolverine and as he's getting older and older, I suppose. Yeah, he didn't want to exhaust them. Yeah. I thought Logan was fantastic. A little long in the tooth. There was a few bits that I would change we'll get into as well. Did you spend the whole movie thinking he's going to die? Um, yeah, um, I, I think I felt that was coming, especially when Xavier died. I just went, okay, well, there's no hope for Logan now. Unless unless they make it even a really, really brutal ending where he's actually still alive and there's no one left, you know, that'd be really sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, there are no other X-Men. There's no one else that survived. Mutants haven't been around for 25 to 30 years. So 
they are the dying breed and it's kind of like a closing chapter so it sort of makes sense to make them die yeah it felt like uh children of men where a new mutant hasn't been born uh, as you Mm. said for like 30 years and um these people are the final moments on earth sort of thing and it sort of reminded me of last of the mohicans in a way for me it felt like a lot of the wild bunch um, in this, and James Mangold is obviously a huge uh, fan of the West, and he directed the excellent 310 to Yuma starring uh, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe, and the Western genre is embedded all throughout the film Logan, like the film even references uh, the movie Shane, um, and especially the lines, there's no living with the killing sort of thing, and you can tell Mangold w- wanted so badly to put Unforgiven in there as well. I um I did find myself getting more desensitized to all the headshots. You know, he's sticking his three claws into everybody's head. And as it went on, I was like, okay, another one, another one. And by the end, it was just the natural order of things. Yeah. It did make me think that at some point, X-Men 2 or The Last Stand or something, they could have made Wolverine more animalistic. And that would have been accepted by audiences and probably praised by comic book fans. Um, it worked so well here and... You get used to it really quickly. I realize that pushes it into an MA rating, but um, Deadpool obviously showed that MA or R-rated films can can sell, you know? Did you like it how the film dealt with the mythology of the X-Men? Like, we only get fragments of the past and the story to get to the point that the film starts, and it was so brilliant having the actual comic books in the movie that the X-Men have become... Uh, almost so obscure now that they've passed into legend and told in comic book form, you know, very similar to how gunslingers and outlaws were told in Pulp Fiction books during uh, the Wild West period um, of America. I thought that was an absolutely brilliant move. And, uh, you know, Agreed, yeah. yeah. And Logan seeing the code of Eden and all the coordinates of even Eden, then he believes that, oh, well, this is, you know, full of... She's obviously been so deluded to being led by a comic book. It's just pretty tragic. Yeah. Well, I thought actually Eden was a bit of a wasted opportunity because I thought it would have been fantastic if one of the X-Men was alive and they were at Eden. Storm was an old woman or, you know, Beast was there and you had someone in full Beast makeup, you know, new actor or whatever that you could have had one of the X-Men survived or, you know, some trace of a character we knew from the past, Colossus or somebody. I just feel like having all those little kids, it was a different mood, obviously, but that was a bit of a missed opportunity. You could have had someone else die in battle as well and also probably explored a little bit more what happened to the X-Men and what happened to everybody Yeah. in, in these last few years. Although the film is set in 2029, the phones haven't really advanced but I'm assuming the phones have excellent editing programs because that video that Logan and Xavier watches was masterfully edited. <laughs> of uh, the one Gabriella does, the one yeah. The nurse shoots. And she must have uh, practiced like a lot of editing during a downtime because that was so... And the composition of the shots, just, oh, man, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she did well, didn't she? <laughs> um, I was thinking like, you know, the, the Nokias, those brick phones, they're bringing those back now. Yeah. So maybe over the next few years, everything goes retro again. Yeah, it goes and then, more analog. <laughs> yeah, and then they get back to sort of where we are now <laughs> by 2029. <laughs> yeah, you got that um, shot of the farmhouse um, when they're at the farmhouse with that African-American family and you see the fields and in the distance you see these monster-like machines. 
um, going to work and it really sets the mood for this world. Like it implies that struggle of the average person and the technologically advanced corporate driven America that are leaving people behind and that, you know, beautiful rural rural American family is killed by a powerful corporation that's employed by the government, you know, just really, really sad that scene. But I love the setting of this, like it's a future that's not too distant, although it's set in 2029, it's not too far out there, something like Blade Runner, not not putting that film down, but it just seems, I don't know, very um, familiar. The bit I thought was a bit long was that whole, let's help with the horses, let's sit down and have dinner. You're crazy, Dave. That was that, that was the best <laughs> scene in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're nuts. <laughs> it, they gave uh, Xavier that one nice, li- nice last night, you know, before... Um, uh, you know, he obviously dies and, um, yeah, meeting that African-American family, I was thinking, okay, well, this kid's going to have a mutant power or something. You know, what's the reason we're stopping off in this scene? And I guess what I would have done is have Xavier get to Eden with them and therefore you've got Xavier and he can die surrounded by all these little kids and be like, you know, it's a bit like his school has reformed, the mutants have found each other again and for him to see Eden actually existed or, you know, that they were all meeting there... And even if one of the X-Men was there, I think that would have been more of a nice send-off for him. But in retrospect, he does say at the beginning of the film when he looks at Logan, you're the man that puts me to sleep. And then when the clone X-24 kills him, I thought that that was a really good line to have included because he's the man that kills him. uh, And he thinks, you know, Logan has killed him in a way. Um, And for him to kind of be projecting forward, maybe seeing the future or like telepathically knowing something even though he's not lucid, for him to say that, I just really enjoyed that line. There's so, so. many beautiful moments in that um, farmhouse scene as well where we see Logan carrying Xavier to bed in the farmhouse and the girl watches on and Logan's like offering him a remote for television. And um, oh my gosh, the way Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart played, it's like they've been doing these roles for years. Well, well they have. They have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the X-Men films just count them. They've done so many. But there are many beautiful moments where Logan introduces Xavier as his dad. I love the scene where he brings Xavier into the toilet at the service station. Like, it's yeah. really comical. They're both swearing at each other, but it's very, very real. You know, you get a lot of uh, moments where they're dealing with guilt, um, which is evident all throughout their performance and Xavier that degenerative brain disease uh, where he's bordering almost on madness but I think what's really at the heart of Xavier in this film like everyone's going on about Hugh Jackman which I love but Patrick Stewart man like this is this is a beautiful beautiful role uh, beautiful uh, performance and uh, very well written but I think that the guilt uh, is killing him on the inside as well as Caliban as well he seems to be defeated and the last act of helping Logan almost as a carer um, is his final commitment in his life maybe it might bring him closer to some form of redemption but Xavier explaining that this night at the farmhouse was the best night he's had in a long time and that's just simply good company a meal and a good bed to sleep in is really heartbreaking to see Xavier reduced to this and that and beautiful at the same time. You feel that Xavier is dying because everything he worked, uh, everything that he worked a lifetime to achieve and build, 
uh, and protect is being slowly destroyed. You know, it's 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 a really really sad um, moment for Xavier. I did feel it a bit too much when the African American family died. It was just so brutal, and then those last moments where. Um, that farmer tries to shoot uh, Logan with the empty shotgun and you could see Hugh Jackman does a wonderful job of conveying the guilt that he has for, yeah, it was my fault, like, I was right, like, we were putting this family at risk just by staying here and the the interaction of the mutants is still a huge danger for just the average um, people. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. Um, they did convey a lot with all those looks and I did think it was a, such a strong performance from Patrick Stewart I kept thinking at the beginning when they were in Mexico and all the Reavers show up with all their technological arms that there was so much sort of of a Mad Max Fury Road vibe. <laughs> well, I, I, I will get to this, but in the third act, I was thinking of Mad Max uh, 3. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, I was going to say they, they are saying they're going to release Old Man Logan, this film, Logan, as a black and white, the same way they reduce. Uh, re- released Mad Max Fury Road, which you've seen, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen it. It's it's beautiful. It's um it's an excellent, excellent edition. They call it the black and chrome edition. So do you think this one will be awesome in black and white? Um well he'll he'll get more closer to the old Western genre that Mangold likes, but it'll just be for the really hardcore fans. I think um I, I really do think the colour does service to this film, especially with the desert the earthy desert um, colour palette of the beginning and then it ends in that vibrant forest sort of look. Um, I I think it does a service, the colour in this movie. I think it's used really well. So the black and white, I think, will take away a lot of that. Uh, What about the the fact that Professor X here is classified as a weapon of mass destruction and he has those seizures, those fits? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's the... implied that he killed a whole bunch of the X Men as well, like on that radio. I completely missed it. I only read this in a review afterwards, but like after the casino scene, which for me rivals the Quicksilver scenes in X Men First, uh, is a first class. No, it would be X Men uh, Days of Days Future, of Future Past, Past. Yeah, and Apocalypse. I think that it rivals those scenes. Uh, obviously. Yeah, as funny, <laughs> about as funny, especially when the guy's like, he, his eyes move and he can see Wolverine coming and there's nothing like yeah. he could do about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like uh, just after that scene at the casino where everyone goes into a seizure, we hear on the radio something like um, this happened in oh, uh, one year ago with several of the X and then it just cuts off. So I'm assuming um, several of the X-Men died and that's why um, Xavier is just bordering on madness because that guilt is just tearing him apart. Yeah, well, I mean, I can see if they were in a plane or something and he had a fit and they just froze up, they couldn't fly the plane. Well, Calvin said he almost died. He almost just couldn't breathe. So Well, he couldn't breathe, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I guess they, many of the X-Men were sort of asphyxiated uh, by Xavier, possibly. And, you know, this is, this is the thing. Like, mutants are powerful and they've phased them out. Richard E. Grant's character, Dr. Rice who I don't know if it was worth having his father be the one that put out a Demantium in Wolverine. I'm not sure if that paid off as well as it could have. Um, he could have just been a guy. But for him, he was saying, you know, they put all of the things in soft drinks and, like, <laughs> and snacks and, like, people ate and changed genetic code or whatever and they didn't have mutants anymore. Like, he phased them out kind of by putting something in the water, if you will. He's sort of a fascinating character, and as he's walking past Caliban, you know, and saying, oh, he's intelligent and a good tracker, you know, save some of his DNA, you know, you're like, oh, this this guy's ongoing, he's going to be a, an ongoing threat. But I loved the fact 
that when he's talking to to Logan, he just shoots him in the head. <laughs> like <laughs> mid-sentence. It didn't seem like he brought in... Like, it, it's really implied that this government is so... Or this private sector security team or whatever is so ridiculously powerful and the government's employing them, whatever. And they've they've won. Like, they, they've defeated not only the good guys, they've defeated all the villains as well. Sabretooth, Apocalypse, Magneto. Well, Apocalypse arguably got was killed by the Phoenix. The Phoenix. <laughs> the humans have won. And part of the blame, of course, is because Xavier isn't 100%. He's degenerating, you know. And uh, Dr. Rice has... Um, one effectively but the the soldiers that he brought to that final battle just didn't seem as big as what the film implied like that they had like it showed that drones were out there armed drones and i didn't see any of that it was just really guys with guns that they know is pretty unaffected effective against people like wolverine because they can just heal from bullets yet they're still bringing the same weapons i just thought it being 2029, maybe they had really advanced machinery or something because you see with uh, Boyd uh, Holbrook's character, who I think it did a fantastic job, that he's got bio-enhanced um, hands and stuff like that. But So is, does that mean all the other Reavers have bio-enhanced um, things as well? Um, it, Some of them did, yeah, yeah. If so, we never really saw that exercise. We just knew that they're, they're basic henchmen, which they ended up being, but they're more bio-enhanced, so they're more of a threat, I guess. But I do love it how invincible the villain seemed. I think James Mangold did a really incredible job of implying this government's power. They were a little bit faceless towards the end. Like, we know Boyd Holbrook's character, Pierce. We know him. Then there's a few who, you know, like uh, X-23, Laura, she decapitates that one that looks really tough. Yeah. But few of them are focused on for very long. They kind of all blend together by the end. I want to talk about her, actually. The actress is Daphne Keane, who played X-23, or Laura. I really saw a physical resemblance, which I liked. To um, Wolverine? Yeah, oh, okay. to the character of Wolverine. And and obviously, because she's a female, they've given her only two claws and one like back heel claw, which is interesting. And I quite enjoyed she was so quiet for so much of the film and then she's speaking in Spanish and then English. I was like, okay, wow, all these kids really speak English really well. They've read it all in comic books or, you know, they, they write well. One of them leaves a note for Wolverine. But they've sort of been raised as experiments. And you do get the feeling that the nurses were trying to make them more human, like giving them birthday parties and stuff. But for this to work, they need... The, the nurses would have been able to speak Spanish and English to them and I guess, you know, kids are sponges, but as well teach them to, like, read and write and stuff. Yeah, they, they seem like they had a decent education. Yeah, which I don't know that they would have been allowed to do because they were like, don't treat them like humans, don't act like what... You know, they were telling them off. And all of her footage was secret footage, so it was supposed to be, you know, little quick candid moments across however many years. I th- actually thought they were all Mexican kids. Um, just, just where, where, with where the facility was, but when we do finally see the kids are a cross section of people. So they obviously, yeah. yeah. But I guess they've taken genetic code from a cross section of people uh, as they were going to, you know, take Caliban's as well. Yeah, no, I, I was looking at these little kids trying to assume maybe they were based off other mutants in the same way she was. So you've got that ice breath girl that maybe she's, you know, Iceman's DNA in her. There's the electricity, a little African-American boy who does like an electric shock on the car. You know, Storm could do lightning and electricity, you know, possibly her DNA has been used there. And uh, then, I don't know, there's like the twig girl and (laughs) 
there's there's others I couldn't place, but you know, I kind of thought they were maybe trying to do a thing where this was like little X mutant babies, you know, baby version of the X Men, which wasn't quite formed, I guess, in the end. Yeah, it's implied that the ending of the film that these that there's still hope for the mutants and so forth but i i think it's really unclear if the kids will make it at the end although the main person responsible for the the extinction of the mutants is dead dr rice and xavier the most powerful mutant of all is gone the doctor's work is still going on like they're still tearing apart caliban for his um uh, tissue samples and so forth so it seems like a huge corporation that'll go on and the hunt for those children will go on i don't think the kids have much of a chance to survive but i think that's the point of logan is that it ju- it does end on hope and a last hurrah for the the, the mighty x-men as as she turns the cross over on its side rather than being Loved that. yeah rather than being a, a christian symbol it, it was a symbol of of the x-men the last x-men i also really enjoyed when you know he said this is what this feels like his dying words were you know oh like embracing death and knowing that it's time and as well her calling him daddy and you know him realizing that he's left some genetic code in this world um it was quite nice and more moving than i thought it would be at that time um, let's talk about X-24, which is the version of Logan that has no soul, as they explain. <laughs> the clone. <laughs> what did you reckon? Yeah, no, it was uh, very, very powerful. Like, we got a similar battle to what uh, Logan faced in X-Men 2, and that she was like a more enhanced version of um, of him, really, and that was a, a really awesome fight sequence. But although um, this clone is really perfected, He's facing Logan is really handicapped. Like he's that's a big theme about the movie is old age. Like all throughout this film, uh, you are constantly reminded about the physical ailments of old age. These old warriors are degenerating, and all the actors constantly remind you of that. Like how Logan is breathing heavy, the scars all over his body, and the rough. He's walking with a limp the entire film. (laughs) Yeah, I actually didn't notice that. Uh, the roughness of his skin and Logan has to put on glasses to read or watch anything which I thought was a brilliant touch really made him look old and Professor X is you know really childish and clumsy and Caliban seems very brittle and weak just with the way he's trying to dump the body picking up the gun he's just you know just not a young guy and all these main heroes are aging and they're fighting this modern superpower that's bringing on their extinction you know and that Logan clone really reminds you of how powerful Wolverine was back in his heyday although we do get a strong sense of that when Wolverine takes that serum and you see like briefly how powerful Wolverine was back in his heyday and really he just needs to keep having that serum forever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I didn't didn't hate that like Charles's final words was sun seeker which was what 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 did he mean by that well it's like a big boat oh right yeah, where, um, you know, like a yacht that you'd live on uh, with the two or three people, I guess. Not Caliban in this sense. <laughs> but yeah, the, the whole plan was he was going to take him out to the ocean and live out there with him. And there was going to re- be a real Mice of Men feel to it where I figure one day Logan would just be pointing him out towards the ocean and just 
push him in or shoot him in the back of the head or something when he becomes too much or the food runs out I don't know well yeah that's what I loved about this film like that father and son that loyalty thing about it how dedicated Logan is to Charles Xavier like every moment of his time is directed to one girl goal which is helping his his friend die like it's implied Wolverine is dying himself and um, he actually wants to suicide because he keeps that adamantium bullet close to him and he's getting up every day, driving a limo, doing a job so he can hopefully afford to buy that that boat that you said and I'm assuming, like as you said, just pass away peacefully in the middle of the ocean maybe, somewhere, somewhere so they can't hurt anyone and Logan is retreating to booze and drugs just to keep him going, you know, but... Um, they're all. It seems like all the characters were preparing to die. This is the last of their of the mutants, right? And the arrival of Laura actually brings all their destruction and, and ruins their plans. Like Caliban is forced to use his powers to track down his friends. Like Sonic, it's implied that Sonic he had to do in his past, but he regrets doing that. Eventually, he dies. Xavier dies, and so does Logan. But Laura, if you think about it, actually brings a kind of salvation for them. Like let's say Laura never came, Logan would have eventually got a boat. And then they would have all died out at sea or something like that, like a very sad end. Um, but it seemed they were given a sense of redemption and relevancy. Xavier, right before he dies, says he finally understood Logan. And there is a small sense of peace just before um, those claws get inserted into him. And so it's, it's you know very sad, but at the same time, you get a sense of peace there. And, and there is hope with Laura and Caliban takes one final strike at the government that destroyed his kind. And Wolverine, of course, gets to save all the kids at the end and take out the guy responsible for their extinction. So he gets that one last hurrah of being an X-Men, you know. So, yeah, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> I could have used with maybe just like that X-24 villain being revealed in the third act um, or just implied before that. That bit where he sort of goes to kidnap Laura and Xavier's dying upstairs. And just that bit where they pass each other in the on the steps there, Logan doesn't attack him or try and help her. Instead, he runs upstairs to see Charles. It felt off to me. Um, I just felt like he would be like, recognise this as some clone villain and try and help her in that moment. But he does say he sucks at this, like he's not a good father figure or anything like that. Well, when Wolverine buries Xavier, it's for him, it's over. He was about to leave Laura there and and die and drive off and just drink himself to death, probably. And it's only because he can't get the car started and he passes out that Logan is uh, that Logan goes on to to be a hero so as he was only you could tell from that moment he was only alive and functioning because of his friend uh, Charles Xavier and Caliban for that matter he did care about Caliban it's so sad he didn't know Caliban was helping the bad guys track him the whole time yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, just when he's hitting that truck over and over again and then he passes out, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that was funny, yeah. You notice Laura as well, she can drive a car. So somebody taught her to drive a car at some point yeah, too. Yeah, or she's just More- that observant and her mind just, you know, she's taking in all the information around her at a super fast rate. I suppose so. Yeah, Caliban kind of went out like a little bit of a punk exploding, but I mean, I don't know how much more story he would have had 
you know, they would have tortured him and things like that. But I really like the actor Stephen Merchant. Oh, I he's think great. He's really good. Yeah, giant of a man. Yeah, <laughs> and he did really well in this. And obviously, they could sort of bring him back in some kind of clone form in the future. But I think what they're doing now is they're leaning towards doing an X-Men TV show. I guess that'd be a reboot with new younger characters and... Yeah, because that that's the thing. Obviously, Brian Singer's going to continue on, but how does that have drama and weight to all the other X-Men films knowing that this is how all the X-Men end up? Does it negate, negate all the previous X-Men films? Does it hurt them like or any future X-Men films or are they just going to simply reboot, reboot the whole thing? Well, I just feel like this is the end with these actors. And also, I mean, I don't think you're going to get Fassbender and everybody else coming back either, the sort of first-class team. So they've kind of got to, if they want to keep this property going um, and do something with the X-Men, they've got to sort of, well, they're rebooting in terms of going to TV. And I mean, you can invent new X-Men, you can use X-Men that haven't been used yet in the film franchise. There's a lot of them. I did sort of feel like, just back onto Eden, maybe what if Magneto was in Eden? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I heard um, Ian McKellen expressed interest of appearing in this film, yeah. so he would have appeared there at the end. Like, because then he and Xavier, had you kept Xavier alive that long, the two of them could have had a chat and, like, it would have been like a burying the hatchet. Why did we spend all those years fighting? We're both old men, wiser, whatever, you know. As well, you feel like Magneto wouldn't have gone out like a punk. So him being alive as an old, old man... He would have been able to create like a shield around himself if Xavier had done what he did, you know, um, caused everybody to asphyxiate. Like Magneto could have made like a small magnetic shield around himself and survived. So, I mean, I don't know. Okay, anybody... He did have a good death in Days of Future Past where he tries to shield the door and everything while they're still in the past, like to try to give him as much time as possible. But obviously that future... No longer happened. Ne never happened. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. That, that was a cool death. Like his last... Um, his last gesture was to save them. You know that the only part, the only thing I didn't like about this film, I thought there were too many moments where Logan falls unconscious and wakes up. And this is a very long movie as it is, and for the most part, I didn't even notice it. But when Logan kept falling asleep and waking up in the third act, I remember looking at my watch. They could have edited the, the, that down so much like just simply have him the first time when he falls unconscious and then you know a, maybe a murky point of view of the girl driving and then you know him maybe another murky point of view of him being hoisted up but then he wakes up and finds all the kids at that point in Eden when he wakes up and sees all the kids I immediately thought of Mad Max 3 when he finds those all those those lost kids and I was like oh shit <laughs> I thought the film was gonna slide downhill pretty fast but you know because usually if you put kids in a movie it's pretty much the kiss of death but I, I thought the climactic battle was really good it got a bit stranger things there but I think all the kids did a very solid job in this movie and I, I really enjoyed it I um I thought it was interesting that they all trimmed his facial hair to look more like Wolverine <laughs> <laughs> but that was a bit of a you know, probably inconceivable thing because, you know, the kids would be fearful of him and they know he's got claws and could overreact and be angry. And they but would they have still... respected him. They have a toy of him for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was curious, where did these kids get all this money? Because they give him like 30 grand. I thought, and... I thought they got it from the nurse. But where did she get the money? I have no idea. I was confused by the money. Like she had a pile of money and was going to get them more money. 
Yeah, the whole money situation. I'm not sure if I missed a line there or it was explained. And who was the kid talking to on the radio as well? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so maybe there are more mutants in this world and they're hiding. I don't like to think that. I like to think that they're the last of and these, you know, these... Um, government-created mutants are, are like these Frankenstein monsters that might bring the destruction of their um of their of 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 the people. Like if, whether they want to continue with Logan or not, and they could end it all in like a burning windmill with an angry mob of people. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, notice that um, Logan wore a white shirt and X twenty four wore a black shirt? Oh. Well, that that is classic classic Western techniques. There, they should have had the hats on as well. Yeah, like a black white hat, like the old Westworld. Oh, the man in the black hat's bad. Well, well oh. the main bad guy dies in in kind of a Western because um, uh, Logan does shoot him with a revolver gun, like hidden. So it's like a fast draw sort of climax where he shoots him. You know, <laughs> I really liked when at the beginning with the Reavers, you know, where he smashes into the fence with the limo and they get stuck and they don't get through it. You know, the sense of danger and they have to eventually get to the other side of that train. I really enjoyed all of that. that and That, that was, was fantastic. That was really well shot. I was impressed. The, the music and sound at that point as well was just, just had me on the edge of my seat. Like, th- this is so well done, th- this whole movie. But specifically the sound and uh, um, just the way the music comes in is just breathtaking. And so here's the blueprint, right, for um, how to end a character you know, yeah, um, yeah. whether you bow out. How, how does all the, like, as you said, Michael Fassbender, what, he said he doesn't want to do another X-Men movie or you think, do you know well, that? Well, they just aren't, I don't think they're signed on for sure. anymore. Like, I, if if I see Logan, if I'm Michael Fassbender and I see Logan or that whole first class team, I'd be like, oh man, I, I don't want to touch this. This is so perfect. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, it does sort of, you've got to go back in time a little bit because <laughs> they're obviously younger than, Magneto is in that world. Yeah, it's a, it murkies the timeline a little bit, doesn't it? Well, I heard Deadpool wanted to be in this. Was there a Deadpool um, implication in this film, like the sequel to Deadpool? I keep reading all this stuff like... Uh, yeah, in the comics, Deadpool and Wolverine have many adventures together. And so people were saying they should be in a film together. And there was supposed to be a post-credit sequence on Logan, which there wasn't. And people were saying we would see Deadpool and Logan together, and that would imply that... Wolverine might be in initially before it was known that it was his last film that you know Logan or Wolverine would appear in Deadpool 2 because they've featured together in the comics I suppose but because they were killing him off here no more Logan you can't then have him appear in Deadpool 2 everyone was speculating earlier about who would be in Deadpool 2 and they they were always going to have Cable like he says in the credits Uh, Ryan Reynolds character is there in a bathrobe saying you know, um, Deadpool 2, it's going to happen. We're going to have Cable. We don't know who it's going to be yet, but Cable as well features with Deadpool in the comics quite a lot. So it was just the people Deadpool was close to, I suppose. And yeah, the implication was it could have been Logan in Deadpool 2, but not to be. This is a nicer ending. This is a hopeful ending. Like you say, the kids might not make it and we don't need to know. I was sort of won over as the film went on more and more, just like feeling like it was going to be the end. Uh, the fact that he's carrying around the bullet made me really weary of that we were going to lose him. The whole time I was thinking, well, this is it. When Xavier's saying this has been the nicest night ever and, you know, they're giving him that kind of nice night, I was like, okay, well, he's about to die because I, I wasn't aware that it was going to be X-24 or anything like that. But, I mean, I really enjoyed the pacing of this film. 
Um, I was just thinking probably 137 minutes might have been too long. I know it's one of those things like, you know, you talk about Tarantino's films being three hours and people just want to live in this world as long as they can. So maybe it's just the time of day I saw it, which was, you know, <laughs> felt like a long one. Yeah, the only, again, the only time I noticed it was when he kept falling in and out of consciousness. And, um, sure. But other than that, it was it was rock and roll, this whole movie. Very... Uh, Hugh Jackman should be over the moon. This is a, such a great performance. And let's not forget Patrick Stewart as well. This is his end um, as Xavier, and he is Xavier. I remember as a little kid um, wanting to, oh, if they made an X-Men movie, he would be in it. And I always said Clint Eastwood because I, I didn't know anything about Hugh Jackman. I don't think anyone did uh, when he was cast as Wolverine. But you'd, oh, I, I said, oh, Cl- a prime Clint Eastwood as Wolverine and, oh, that bold guy from Star Trek as uh, <laughs> as uh, <laughs> Professor X. And, you know, uh, you couldn't ask for a better cast. It, it's such a um, – because we grew up with the X-Men animated series, the comic books, and then finally we, we were big fans of the movies. I, I was I wasn't a big fan of the first one so much. I really liked the second one. Third one, I think everyone's forgotten. <laughs> and I really like Days of Future Past. I've read a lot of critics. They they, they don't like it. And I, I can't. Oh, I like oh, it too. I love it. I, I, I've seen it like four times. I thought it was fantastic. Um, X-Men Apocalypse, we're both very disappointed in that film. The Wolverine um, standalone movies haven't been um, that great at all. But Logan is... I think it's on a different level. It just touches on all these really adult themes. As we matured, the films matured in a way. And um, this was just such a beautiful um, send-off, you know, just for, for Hugh Jackman. 18 years as Wolverine and same with Patrick Stewart and, you know, just all the fans are thanking them right now. It's what a, what a, what a ride. Yeah, I feel like this is the best of the Wolverine films as well. It's come so far because, like, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which if you will, featured a kind of a Deadpool character. It was leaked uh, online, which really hurt it. There was so much anger from, like, Hugh Jackman. I remember the quote he said was, uh, it's like seeing a bride without her makeup and dress on on the wedding day. You know, like, you're seeing this not-finished product, and so people were judging the film based on this. Uh, There was some leaked version that had um, no special effects and... I don't know, sounds like it looked pretty stupid. But yeah, it obviously gives away everything in the plot and everything gets ruined and people then don't see the film. So for this film to hopefully be so successful, and it's definitely amazingly made, I feel like it's a great redemption to the Wolverine catalogue. Yeah, they use the R rating not just... Like, you could take out all the violence in this movie and it's still a great film. Really, I feel the the R rating of this movie is so they can hit those really hard themes. Like, there's so much, and I can't even articulate, there's so much going on there when that farmhouse family is brutally murdered by the Logan clone. There's so much more deeper themes there with how the mutants, or how much of a danger these mutants are to the average person. I think there's a lot more going there. I just can't think of it. <laughs> but there's also themes of old age, like bringing um, Charles Xavier into the toilet because he's a cripple and so forth, and then they're swearing at each other, the, the frustrations they have with each other. You know, these are very, very adult themes, and it isn't using the rating just for the satisfaction of the gore so they could have extra blood so that you could see the claws inserted into somebody's face. Uh, you know, I hope with the black and white edition, it, it really takes away that violent sort of aspect, the, the the redness of the blood, so you can focus more on the actors, um, you know what I mean? Because when I saw 
or Mad Max Fury Road, it just felt like more of a texture to all the cars and the environment and the faces, and which made it more emotionally engaging. I think um, I, I prefer the black and chrome edition, but I don't know if that's because I'm a hipster deep down, and I just prefer <laughs> something different that the, um, the majority of people don't like. Less mainstream. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Logan. We've obviously both really enjoyed it, and um, you can find our X-Men Apocalypse or our X-Men Days of Future Past or, uh, I don't know, the second Wolverine film, The Wolverine. We've covered all of those in our back catalogue of Pod Me If You Can episodes. They're all at podmeifyoucan.com. There's a little search bar there so you can type in the one you're looking for if you're interested. Next time on the podcast, Lloyd, we're going to cover something that is very different. Beauty and the Beast. And um, what I love about this is you haven't seen the cartoon, right? Yeah, I, I think I might go see it before I watch the movie. Do you want me not to watch the cartoon? Well, yeah, this is what I was thinking, is that you don't know anything about the plot, therefore it might be better if you see the live action okay. and then the cartoon, because then you'll be basing it just on like a fresh kind of set of eyes, I suppose. Yeah. In And I'll be coming at the film with the view of the classic in mind and now seeing the live action remake. So that'll be the way to do it. As well, on Pod Me If You Can, we've got Friends Month coming up. It's on our YouTube channel. You can find a link on podmeifyoucan.com. And uh, we'll have an announcement about that soon. But uh, for now, we're closing the book on Wolverine, on Logan. And uh, a big thank you to uh, the team. James Mangold, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart. I think it's a fantastic send-off, Lloyd. Absolutely. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 